I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Confo by Design, and following is a very special conversation that was recorded live from the Hastings Tile and Bath Showroom in the A&D Building, New York City. Yes, live, in person, and focused on an event that we have been missing for years. <laughs> The idea is a little different. We gathered at Hastings Tile and Bath in the A&D building in New York City to talk about Salone del Mobile. But before that, about a month before we met, I asked each of the participants to capture Milan in a way they felt demonstrated their experience. No rules, just take pictures, videos, send them to me. I really wanted their perspective and I wanted to try and experience it through their eyes. So that those who were not able to attend, perhaps you, if you're listening, you could feel like you did attend, like you saw something, like you were there. With that, let me introduce the group. So you've got Michael Cox of Foley and Cox, Caitlin Madden from Homes and Gardens Magazine, and Jonathan Zanger a commercial design, tile, and stone expert, whom you have heard on the show before. Check the show notes for video from this event where you can follow along and share the images, descriptions, and videos. This is, this is kind of an interactive experience. So uh, let's get to it. You'll hear all about it right after this. For over two years now, you have heard about my partnership with Thermosol. So you know that I have extremely high standards for Convo by Design partnerships. Thermosol is an extraordinary partner because there is this rare combination of intuitive design with exceptional performance. They have state-of-the-art facilities located in Round Rock, Texas, and a company that's about to celebrate 65 years offering excellence in form and function. The Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series presented by Thermosol is a programming feature that regularly showcases remarkable design talent and how they do what they do and the manner in which they do it, allowing designers to emulate successful strategies and make smarter clients who know what questions for of top professionals. If you want to understand more about this company and their history, Please check the show notes for the link to episode 221 with Thermosol third generation CEO Mitch Altman. He explains the history behind the company and really th- that's what makes this company so special. Combine that with the cutting edge technology, their world class domestic facilities, and you have a company delivering predictable elegance upon which you can rely. And nowadays, how important is that? Thermosol.com. See, I love this. You know what? This is so funny. This is how all my interviews start. So just, just cold. We can roll right into it. I absolutely love that. Um, thank you very much for, for coming to this. I'm, I'm super excited about this panel conversation. I really appreciate y'all coming. Um, this, is, this is called, first of all, my name is Josh Cooperman. I'm the host and publisher of Convo by Design, a podcast specifically about design and architecture. I, I love you people, I love what you do, and I love talking about it. So, um, wanted to talk about Salone del Mobile and 
this year, this being the first year back. The idea here is we've got three individuals with very different perspectives. And what you're gonna see is different perspectives from the event itself. And we're gonna get into that in just a second. Before we do, what, I, what I'd like you to do is, I, I can read a, a bio off a card, but what I prefer to do is to allow you to introduce yourselves. Um, and Michael Cox, I will start with you. Okay, um, I'm Michael Cox. I have an interior design firm called Foley & Cox and also a retail store up in Hudson called Foley Cox Home. Um, this year we are celebrating our 20 year anniversary of the interiors business and our 15 year anniversary of the store. So that's a little bit about us. It's Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Caitlin Madden. I'm Caitlin Madden. I'm the executive editor of Homes and Gardens. Um, Homes and Gardens is the first ever home interest magazine in the UK. Um, it's over 100 years old. But over the last two or three years, we've grown like crazy in the U.S., mostly um, thanks to our website. So we're now one of the biggest websites in the U.S. and in the U.K., which is very exciting. Um, before H&G, I did a lot of freelance work. I worked at Wayfair, um, New England Home, and Modern Luxury also. Love it. Jonathan Zanger. Hi. Uh, I'm John Zanger. Uh, I can't talk about who I am. I can talk about who I was. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, but I, I had a company for um, for the past many years uh, that was a family business called Walker's Anger, and our space was in the tile and stone business. Um, so uh, uh, I did that for the past, well, since I was born, but for certainly <laughs> for the past uh, 40 years of my life. I've been traveling to Italy for many, many years, uh, obviously um, because of the stone business, but now I'm I love that. So what you have here is you have three very different perspectives. You have someone who has been going to Salone for, for years to see this show, who has been in the industry for, for a very long time, and you've seen a lot happen, and I, I want to talk about that. You have Caitlin, who is on the editorial side. So you're going to see a very different presentation um, about what the trends are and what was found uh, in Salone this year. And then you got Michael, and I, I'm just... It gave me such joy to go through your pictures and your videos, too, because you're in them, you're around them, or you took them, and it's, it's all of the things that you in particular love. Now, Caitlin, you weren't there. I was not there, no. We had a team there. Our editor-in-chief and our editorial director were there. Yeah. And they've just given me all their information. Yeah, and, and I love that, too, because now comes the presentation part mm -hmm. where you will, be, you will be covering it and delivering it to the, to the audience, clearly, who, who could not be there. So I want to start the presentations. We're going to cover the, the presentations first, and then we'll get into a little bit more in a bit. But first, um, so John, we have your presentation. So what I was surprised is I didn't get a lot of images from you, but the ones that I got... Why? Why those? Okay, well, I have tons of images. I'm sure you do. <laughs> you, know, you can only look at so many chairs <coughs> and so many couches. I've learned. Um, so I, so to a, a little bit of background, as I've said, I've been going to Italy for many years. I lived there for a year when I was much younger. Um, and I love the country. I love the, the aesthetic. I love the, the, the people. And I, four years ago, I purchased a house there and kind of gutted it and, and renovating it. Um, it's in a town called Pietrasanta, which is in Tuscany between Pisa and Genoa on the Mediterranean. Um, 
it's a beautiful kind of an artist colony. Michelangelo sculpted there a few years ago. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's been a labor, it's been a labor. Um, it's been a labor of love. Uh, there's a gentleman who worked with Walker Zanger when I was there called Michael Berman. Many of you in the design uh, community know about him. He designed a line for us. He's um, quite a well-known designer out of California. He's been helping me with the design of the house. And we are kind of at the stage now, hopefully, where this thing will be finished by the end of this year. Um, should have been finished a long time ago, but other things got in the way, including COVID and Italy and you know, everything that that entails. But I am at the stage where kind of looking for furniture. Um, I always wanted to go to Salone, but um, Salone has always been, traditionally been, in May, you know, in May, which is at the same time as coverings, which is our the industry trade show, so it was always inconvenient from point of view. So here I am. I retired this, you know, two weeks before Salone, and I decided I'm going this year. And I'm going to go look uh, not only at what the, you know, at this at this fair that I've heard so much about, um, but also it gives me a chance to look for things for me. So all these pictures that I have are, you know, things that I was sending to Michael Berman, you know, every day going, what do you think of this chair? What do you think of this chair? What do you think of this chair? What do you think of this? Um, and, you know, it would be the most boring thing in the world for all of you to see. Um, but I picked out some pictures because I think they spoke to, you know, sort of a trend or, you know, some things I saw at Salone that kind of kept me thinking. And that's probably, probably why. So, so to me, um, the two things being not a designer and, and not a furniture dealer, but the, the, the things that really spoke to me about this fair, and I was looking for couches and chairs, um, uh, among other things, but um, it sort of dovetailed, you know, I don't know if this, is, if this is normal for every year, but after COVID and after we all spend so much time at home, I was really struck by how, how much every, um, Every company and every salesperson in the companies were talking about comfort. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the look of you know Italian furniture can be really beautiful sometimes, and like other you know like many like a lot of furniture, you know it can be beautiful, it can be architecturally significant. Sometimes it's not that comfortable. You know, it's something to look at. But the emphasis that I found at the show this year was there were a lot of oversized pieces, and there was a lot of stuff about comfort and. So I was looking for either a set of couches or you know a couch to go in, into this basement that I dug out of the ground underneath this house because I wanted a wine cellar, so I needed a basement. Um, and uh, and of course I was looking you know again looking for something. Michael's aesthetic is kind of this shabby chic kind of you know comfortable, more American kind of style, which which I kind of wanted for a for a second home and for a for a vacation home. Yeah. Um, so I was hey, looking Erica. for that kind of thing. Hey, Erica. Can you? Thank you. <laughs> um, the other thing that I was looking at is um, outdoor furniture, too. Mm -hmm. And that's from Royal Britannia, which I, I think um, it has the greatest outdoor furniture. It's different from all the others. I saw a lot of very comfortable outdoor furniture. But in outdoor furniture, the thing I saw was that now it kind of looks like indoor furniture. I mean, it's really amazing. Um, I don't have a picture of the couch, the couch that goes outdoors. but. Um, the colors, the the um, uh, you know the, the the way the furniture is upholstered, the way the furniture works um, in Royal Botanic is really big. Actually, that's the outdoor, that's that's that goes outside. Mm -hmm. That's a Royal Botanic couch that goes you know that's suitable for 
outside use, all the fabrics are for exterior, you know, and, and that's an indoor furniture, and, and you can see that, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't look like the old rattan furniture or the old. The lines the have old, been blurred between mm -hmm. inside and outside. The lines have really been blurred. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I think Royal Botanic is kind of unique. Mm -hmm. Their aesthetic it seems to be different than, you know, many of the others. But, you know, I saw outdoor furniture that had upholstery patterns by Missoni, mm -hmm. um, some really cool stuff that, you know, I would have never seen before. Um, and then there was another slide that kind of spoke to some things. You know, th these are, let's see, um, natural materials, again, huge, you know, that's always the, the case in Italy. Um, if you can go back a couple, I don't know. Um, one more, one more. Um, this was an interesting, uh, this is a company from Venice um, that does Venetian glass, very, very traditional Venetian glass, but the owner told me, I, I love these, these um, coffee tables and side tables that he makes. These are all one piece of glass. They've been etched, um, and, and um, they're, they're unique. They're pieces of art, and then they have these etched glass panels that are behind them. And you know, he does extremely traditional uh, Venetian glass, but his comment was, everything's going contemporary these days. Mm -hmm. Everything's going modern. And I mean, you know, for years at Walker's Anger, we used to say, you know, I used to say I love modern, but it doesn't sell. You know, that's you know for my own you know for my own use, and that, I think I stopped saying that about ten or twelve years ago, fifteen years ago. But all of a sudden, contemporary became really popular in America. We're always sort of behind Europe in that respect. Not, you know, maybe it's for the good or for worse, but the Europeans are sort of tend to be a little more a little more um, contemporary than Americans. I think uh, in terms of you know certainly in terms of kitchen and bath. Um, maybe less so in the inside, but but I found companies like this company sort of going outside of their comfort zone, often hiring an architect or a designer. But in Italy, you know, those lines are blurred too. But it's 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 traditionally a, a lot of architects do product design, um, and uh, certainly a lot of known you know well known architects. And this company hired this architect to sort of take a look at their at their um, production process and. Develop some ideas for pro products that you know. I'm, I'm going to buy some of these products uh, for my own home. They're so beautiful, um, and that's what we used to do at Walker's Hanger. We would we would find a technique by a company, and then either ourselves or through a through a a, um, a collaborator would would say, okay, you've got a great technique. It's really not suited to what we do or what the American market is, but we're going to show you you know what you can do to make it something saleable for the American market. So that spoke to me, and. Um, and those were the things you know that I saw at Milan. These are some of the things that I saw at Milan that I thought spoke to what what you know what people were showing at Milan. I think it's interesting too. This whole idea of inside out has been around since the '70s. You know, this the quintessential California design where it's inside out, and now it's it's not that it's caught on. It's that materials have caught up to aesthetic, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. So, Caitlin. Um, you, are, you are up next. Now, here's what's interesting, too. And I, and I love this as well, because you weren't there. So as you're going through this, when you see the material come, come back to you, you have to be kind of like a kid in a candy store, it, you know, waiting on the next set of images and going through this and, and just seeing. What were your thoughts as everything comes through, everything from color to material to product? I mean, some of it is stuff that we've seen before kind of carried over like this terracotta shade has actually been around, you know, for a few years now. 
Um, so some of it's and some of it's new and totally unique and things that we've never seen before. And you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so it's always nice to see something that's kind of like surprising. Um, and there's definitely some of that too. Um, but yeah, so this was a shade that was kind of everywhere. Um, it's like more of a muted terracotta, I think, than we've seen in past seasons. Like I think a couple years ago, it was more like that burnt orange color, and this feels like a slightly more approachable take on that, but um, really beautiful. Um, so textured whites, John had some of these in there too. It's like the boucle, which has also been around for a few years now, but we saw that also carried over into other um, applications. So um, like this chair, for example, the finish on it is white. And I think the, um, that light, our editor-in-chief said she didn't get a chance to touch it, but her guess was that it might have been like a cloth dipped in plaster, so it had like this beautiful texture to it. Um, so it just seems like that, that just warm, nubby, textured white is kind of transcending into other areas also. I'm curious too, your perspective on the, on the, the nubby, it's, it's really gaining popularity quickly. Yes. Is that kind of like a, like a return to comfort? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's also just... Fun to touch. Yeah, it's fun, and it's different. I was actually walking, when I came in here, I was walking by Holly Hunt, and I saw that there was a, a boucle white sofa in the window there. So it's, it's been everywhere. It's been around for a few years now, um, and not going away anytime soon. And this is just more of the same. Um, and kind of like John said, everything's very comfortable. Um, so here, this is just um, drawn lines. So that's really just part of this trend towards things that are more organic. Um, we're kind of moving away from like harsher geometrics, things that are just more fluid and organic and natural feeling in terms of pattern and, and texture. And more artistic as, yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It's like, like less of a you know, machine-made design hard lines and more just like handmade and natural. So color and transparency. This was really um, something that we saw across lighting and um, furniture both was just this, you know, normally where you'd see um, like a clear glass, instead it was colored and it was either more of like a tinted glass, like a color tinted glass or just like a smoky glass, which is fun and makes things a little bit more rich um, and warm and welcoming, I think, than just like a clear glass. Was everything glass or was plastic incorporated as well? Do you know? That's a good question. No, and the reason why I ask is because I, I have, you know, you're starting to see yeah. where glass isn't possible, this, mm -hmm. this, the same idea with using, it's almost like set design with yeah. gels and plastics mm -hmm. to... We have an, um, an example of something similar to that at all. Um, so the multi-level coffee tables, this was, um, there was like, kind of like two applications that we saw with this. So the first is that they were mixing um, like materials, like that middle one which is like just a couple of different colors of like natural stone brought together. And then there was another trend that was more like just a grouping of tables. And I think the idea behind that was that it's just like more functional because you can group them together to be a coffee table, but then you can separate them like as and when you need if you have people coming over. And I think that is also part of the trend to just make our homes more functional and livable and purposeful, you know, as we, we're spending more time there. You are listening to my conversation from Hastings, Tile and Bath, about Salone del Mobile. And we'll be right back after this. If you've been listening to Convo by Design for a while now, you have heard me tell you about Article. Great style. Really, it's as simple as that with Article. 
Things have been challenging for design professionals and their clients for, what, two years, two plus years now? You know this already. What you might not know is that it doesn't have to be if you're looking for exceptionally beautiful modern furniture. Article provides a simple and easy way to creating a beautiful modern space because Article works direct with their manufacturers on production of unique and stunning pieces. Then they work directly by providing this well-crafted design directly to you. This direct relationship means you aren't wondering where your furniture is and you're getting it for an incredible value. What could possibly be better than that? In many cases, the shipping is flat rate, which means no surprises right? Even more, their culture and service are rooted in their core values. Customer obsession, doing it differently, ownership mindset, winning together. If you're a designer, architect, or residential developer, you must check out their trade program. Discounts, special support, and exclusive perks. Article has the beautiful modern furniture you're looking for at an incredible price, at an incredible value, and you need to check them out. Check out article.com, or if you go to the show notes, there is a specific link which will take you, if you're in the trade, directly to their trade program. You have to see it to really believe it. Thank you, Article. Uh, again, another one that kind of comes out of the pandemic is the home office. We've obviously, obviously seen a lot of that with the functionality, but now it's gaining this like design layer too, so the stuff that we're putting in our home offices. Um, it's also beautiful, and that's also really nice if you don't have a dedicated home office. You can kind of bring this out into your living space and you won't feel like you know, it's ugly or you need to hide it. It kind of just flows nicely with the rest of your home. Can we go back to that for one second, though? As an editor, mm -hmm. are you surprised that we didn't see more of the design, the artistry? This is you know, for the home office. Still, you know, going through the pandemic, the home office became one of the most important rooms in the home. Mm -hmm. And you would, you would expect a progression, a design progression. Were you, are you surprised that some of this didn't happen faster? And your thoughts on the transformables? Not really. I mean, especially given like, you know, the state of like the supply chain and all that. I think it just takes, it takes time for these things to come forward. It's only been a couple of years. And I think people caught on fairly quickly that this was only a couple of years later that all of this stuff is kind of gaining um, more aesthetic sense around it. I think the transformables are interesting. I mean, it's not my personal taste, but I think if you have like a small space or something, it's very useful and, it, and it's a better option than probably just like stuffing a big desk in the middle of your, your room somewhere. Well, it's, it's funny because when I saw this, I, the, the first thing I thought about when I saw that was like, oh, this is a Gen X play. This is yes. a Gen Z play, <laughs> totally. This is like, you have your, your 400, 500 square foot apartment yeah. in the city and you've got your office, and then on the weekend, you, you just close it latch up. that sucker up and move <laughs> on. But I think also it's design's attempt to address keeping work life separate from home life. Mm. So, you know, when we were forced in quarantine to immediately work from home, the, uh, you know, it quickly became apparent that you had to do it, but is there a way to make your workspace at home kind of disappear when you want your home to go back to just your safety nest and your place of comfort? Mm. I, I love that idea and I want to explore that a little bit more a little bit later because I, I feel like, you know, what I've been calling the slash, you know, it's the kitchen slash living room, it's the living room slash office slash classroom slash daycare slash, I mean, so many slashes in so few rooms, I think, 
it's really interesting what's going to be happening. Now, this next one, when I saw this, this is like the candy store to me. Yes, <laughs> I know. I'm so jealous. Because <laughs> these are actually Sarah's photos. She's our editorial director. Um, so again, fashion and interiors have been happening together for a long time. But this was just especially beautiful, I think, this year, the Aquasura collection um, and then the Hermes tableware um, were just both striking, I think, and especially given like the setting in this gorgeous old Italian courtyard. Um, they're just especially beautiful. And what I love, too, if we can go back to that for one second, um, the formality mm -hmm. of, the, of the outdoors, the color, yeah. the application of a higher sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Well, everything, I think, including this, um, just feels like it has just more of a sense of decoration. Like, people are just decorating. Again, it's not so much like minimalism in mid-century. People are just, like, jumping all into, like, full-on decorating, which I love. And I think this and a lot of the trends that we saw are just an example of that. Yeah. And this is just another, um, another fashion and and tablescape example here. And over the top mm -hmm. and amazing with color. And mm -hmm. it's been a while since I've seen that kind of fearlessness use of, of color. Yeah, and, and I think like, especially with like entertaining and tablescaping, it went kind of by the wayside for a while and people were like donating all their, their grandmother's china to the Goodwill and stuff. And now people are like, you know, going and buying it up again. I think there's just this, like there's a sense of joy I think that comes from entertaining and having these things and I think people are again are just embracing that So sustainability is obviously something that was top of mind for a lot of brands um, And it was showing up in all sorts of ways a lot of it was materials So there was um, just like using recycled plastics and cork and then um, our editor also mentioned there was a collection I can't remember the brand, but they did it entirely with like recycled Levi's jeans. Like it was just all done with recycled denim. So that's cool. So there's a lot of companies um, just taking initiative to do things a little bit more sustainably, which is nice to see. Perspective on that. Are we in the experimental artistic design phase of sustainable design as it relates to this? I think still, yeah. I mean, I think there's a long way to go in a lot of industries and the design industry has a long way to go in terms of sustainability, but it's nice to see that people are starting to really make that effort and make it like a forefront of their, their show too, not just like a, something on the side. Like it was the forefront of a lot of um, displays. It's a concept. It's yeah. a concept in an, in an effort to see right. what gains traction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lighting as art was really, there's just gorgeous lighting this year. And, and again, I think lighting has been evolving in this direction for a while, but um, a lot of the lighting literally just looked like a sculpture. Like if you turned off the lights, it kind of just looks like an art piece on the wall um, or hanging from the ceiling. And you know, usually you think of lighting first and foremost as like a functional thing. Um, and then this kind of almost turned that on the head where it's like design first and functionality second. What? Isn't, yeah, you bought it? You did. <laughs> Why? Why? I just love the. Oh I my mean, God! It, it's gorgeous. It, yeah, I just, I just love the look of it. I got, you know, um, I, uh, you know, thought it, it fit perfectly in, into one of the rooms Jealous. of the house, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, there was a lot of, like you said, there was a lot of really nice lighting. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it, it sort of, you know, um, 
fit a, you know, ticked off a number of boxes for me. So, uh, Good choice. I haven't bought it yet. I mean, I've, got, I've got the quote. I'm buying It's like I, I, Sold. I, had to, yeah. Yeah. I had to convince a couple Well, you have to now. It's being recorded. <laughs> yeah, so. right, yeah. I, 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 on camera. I, I need your presentation because I've seen yeah. a few things here that I missed. That, there you go. That I, could, that I, that I really like. The globe shape, too, was another thing that we saw a lot of, yep. the globe yep. shape lighting. Globe shape. Um, and this also takes on what John said with just the indoor-outdoor living. And our, our editor-in-chief, when she came back, she was like, if you went for nothing else, like going for the outdoor furniture this year would have been enough of a reason to go because it was just so beautiful. And like you said, there's just like a blurring of indoor and outdoor. And a lot of these companies now are designing lines that almost complement their indoor furnishings. So it's almost like you can have your aesthetic kind of flow to the outside of your home. And I think that was something that was happening for a while and the pandemic might have just accelerated that because everybody now is at home and wants all of their spaces of their home to be fun and beautiful. And um, there's just a lot of like applications that you would normally see indoors that kind of made it outdoors, like piping and things like that. Um, and just beautiful fabrics. Did you find it interesting? I found it interesting, I'm curious your take. Um, you know, years ago, there was an attempt. It wasn't an attempt. They, the artistic design took the place in the form of plastics and resins, mm -hmm. and it was still hard, and mm -hmm. it wasn't comfortable. Now you have this outdoor where the actual design is right. the same as the indoor design, mm -hmm. right? It, that just looks so comfortable. It yeah, and it's, it's not like, like you were saying, like the hard wicker or like the resins. It's, it's furniture that you want to like hang out in. And, you know, like John was saying too, it's just like this turn towards comfort and just really being able, being able to just enjoy your space. They've made so much progress mm -hmm. in the flow through technology yeah. of outdoor cushions that that's been transformative. You know, I think five or seven years ago, there were outdoor cushions and they supposedly were great if it rained, but they really remained soggy for like a good <laughs> six or eight hours. But now this flow, flow through cushion technology is fantastic and that's really transformed outdoor upholstery and allowed manufacturers to, to make things that can really truly live outside and be okay an hour or two after a rain. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, and then this is kind of like you were saying, like the um, plastics that look like glass almost. This is actually, I think it's plastic. I'm imagining it's not glass. I didn't obviously touch it, but it's outdoor furniture that looks like glass and it lights up from the inside, so it's like glowing. So at night when you're like entertaining, you can sit on like a glowing outdoor sofa like overlooking your pool, which is really cool. Do you know what's funny? It surprises me that it's taken this long because the only place where you would see this technology is in like the drinks or the, 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 the little plastic ice cubes <laughs> like the or the little LED like, yeah. <laughs> When you're a bridesmaid in the cup floor. <laughs> right. yeah. I love that. And again, the colors, just yeah. amazing. And then the Ford study is just the same. Um, lots of color and pattern. This is another example of just fashion and interiors. There's a couple of really cool ones. Um, and it's just, it's just an interesting new perspective, I think, when these designers come on board for the, with these, um, like these furniture companies, they just bring a different perspective. And um, I heard that Luke Edward Hall was actually wearing a suit made out of one of the fabrics that he did for mm. Rubelli at, um, at the booth, which is kind of cool. Um, so this is just another example. Um, this was particularly beautiful, I thought. It's just a, um, a range that was hand-painted. Um, and what I heard is that a lot of designers were kind of coming up to the brand and asking if this was going to be like a bespoke option where they can kind of customize it for 
their clients, like based on their spaces, and no word on if they're actually going to do that, but I know it was like a, a big request there. And they do that a lot. Yeah? Yeah. yeah? yeah. Everything they do is... It's gorgeous. Is what most things are. are custom. Are, are custom. Yeah. Um, so Euro, Euro Cucina, which is like the trade show within a trade show that happens, I think it's every other year mm -hmm. with the lighting show. Um, so there's a lot of kitchen stuff that was really interesting. Um, this polyform kitchen was kind of interesting. It, it had like a, um, like a countertop basically and then the, there's like a little pantry that kind of popped up out of the countertop mm -hmm. so it like raises up and you can get like all your spices and stuff like literally at the push of a button and then when you're done you just like close it back down and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and I know our editor was, that was one of like her favorite things. Yeah, like I she, love that she too. loved that. Yeah, she was like blown away by this thing. So that was one of her favorites. Um, and then I call that capture and contain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like capture and contain the math. It's yes, there, exactly. but it just goes Like away. everybody needs that, you know? Um, Scavellini, I think the interesting things here were the hardware and then that little like nook inside the cabinetry, I guess, is something that was around a lot this year. And then again, the Alfacini range. Um, it was Italy, so obviously there was a lot of marble and, and all that, but um, I think what impressed our team this year was just like the range of marble look surfaces and how far that's come. And like, you know, it used to just be, you could get like a Carrera looking, you know, quartz or something, but the way that that sort of evolved, I think was really interesting. Um, for the island, I think a couple interesting things but I think the main one is the curve of the island, and that's, you know, obviously a lot of stuff that we're seeing now is more curved and less linear, but I think that speaks to this term, turn towards like creating sociable spaces. So the curve, it's kind of like when you sit at a round table and you can, um, you can see people better, and it's, it's more um, conducive to having conversations. And then, again, just really high-end commercial appliances done for residences. Um, this is just, I think, speaks to the nature of Salone itself and how it's more, less like a trade show and it, it's more akin to like a fashion week where there's like installations and a lot of creativity on display. It's not just like, here's my housewares in my booth. It's how can I showcase this in a way that's truly like stunning. Um, and this was an example from Hermes. And here's another one from Lee Broom, which I guess he had done, I think what he had done was turned a, like a exhibition space into what looked like a old Italian cathedral with these ancient looking sculptures. And then he kind of juxtaposed it with his modern lighting, which is beautiful. And then I think this is the last one, but Alcova, which is just a, an emerging designer's platform. Um, and I guess they saw a lot of curves and things there, a lot of creativity there. Love it, amazing. That's it. So we transition, and by the way, you know, hopefully you can see as, as I did that same kind of editorial perspective where everything is just sort of, it's categorized so succinctly, and I think, and I wanna ask you about this in a, in a little bit, is sort of that responsibility as a media outlet within the design and architecture space mm -hmm. to, to bring something back to people when they can't go to something as, as important and special as this. Yeah. Then we go to Michael mm -hmm. and the transition into just <coughs> pure joy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> l 
as we get into <clears throat> this, you just, you look like you took total advantage of this show to touch, feel, be, yeah. taste, the whole thing. Well, I, I really wanted to present the idea of like full immersion into the Milanese experience. And what I um, had heard, it was my first time at Solani as well, and so I spoke to a lot of um, colleagues um, and tried to get some insights. And you know, they very much said it's not just about that Salone show. It's everything is happening in Milan. So I actually <laughs> scheduled my three days there kind of specifically and had the first day and a half of like experiencing what was happening in all these showrooms in Milan, not at the Salone show. So these first images, what my first appointment of the day was actually with this wonderful woman, Claudia Barberi. She does um, beautiful hand-woven cashmere, and she's a vendor that we've been carrying in our store for many years, and so I had an appointment with her, and it was an interesting way to start because she gave me a little insight into why she chose not to be exhibiting at the actual um, show outside of the city, um, you know, for a smaller, more artisan vendor like her. She had heard that, you know, because of the um, difficulty with Russians coming and the difficulty with the Chinese coming, that the, the attendance wasn't going to be what it had been back in 2018, 2019. Um, so she chose to take a smaller space um, and, and show a little bit more privately. Um, but it was wonderful to get to go in there and, and see her after not being able to see her for se several years and get to touch and feel all of her new introductions and, and you know, do a little pre-order for the store. Um, these are several like short videos that I took, um, highlighting a few different things. Um, you, Caitlin, touched on the um, collaboration between fashion and manufacturing, and I think you also had a slide that showed the Paul Smith collaboration with Ford de Padova, and that was kind of a big, exciting um, collaboration. We've been fans of Paul Smith for a long time. He's taken his kind of famous multicolored stripes um, and incorporated them into textiles that we've used to upholster media rooms and dining chairs and things like that. And so him becoming more immersed into the whole, the full furniture category I thought was really exciting. Um, and some of the other videos to the right and upcoming slides are um, the Ralph Lauren Palazzo. Um, in Milan, which was really exciting to see. Um, I was invited for a breakfast um, where the new editor-in-chief of World of Interiors, Hamish Bowles, was doing a talk. Um, and so it was great to kind of go there and experience this magnificent Italian palazzo um, and see you know, the full classic Ralph Lauren world in this Italian palazzo, and then again also get to hear um, Hamish speak. And you were there for three days. I was there for three days, and it, you know, I have my notes here, and it's like if you saw my notes, you'd be like, oh my god, it's schizophrenic, because I was trying to cover as much <laughs> as possible, and I was trying to like 
figure out, map out the city and figure out best <laughs> ways of transportation. And you know, that's one of my tips to say, don't think you're gonna go to Milan and dial up an Uber the way you do here. <laughs> Uber in Milan is not nearly as advanced as, as it is here. And I waited for 30 minutes one, one time only, and I was like, okay, it's gonna be the subway from here on out. <laughs> so just like a little like tip if you're, if you're going. Um, and the museum. And we were talking a little bit about this. If any of these products could be mm -hmm. contemporaries. So, yeah, this is in the uh, Parco Sempione. Uh, they had a Triennale. And this exhibition, I thought, was so incredibly insightful in terms of the history of Italian design and how there are so many iconic Italian products that are very familiar to us, but I wonder if people realize that they're from these great Italian designers from the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, and this exhibition, I think, I thought just did a really, really great job of highlighting that, and, and to your point, showing the, the timelessness of great design. Even to the automotive, the automotive to the vacuum. Yeah, exactly. You know, it exactly. is equally stunning and gorgeous. And then, you know, we we have to cover the food a little bit because <laughs> if we didn't, that that's part of the experience. Did you have a did you have a an Epicurean plan going in, or were you just going to wing it? Not really. I mean, again, that was the least of my concerns. Like in Italy, you know you're gonna eat well. <laughs> and you know, I really, the, the Piadina on the right was just, I took that because I was like, okay, here, basically, I'm on the street, I'm running to my first appointment, I see a little place in the park, and you sit down and you are presented this warm Piadina with the most exquisite um, mortadella and arugula, and it's just, so simple and so pure and so delicious and and you know even again basically that's their street food you know <laughs> um, so uh, the, again uh, there, there's just this um, fantastic sense of style that the Milanese have that's very specific I think to Milan um, and, and is very much part of the experience of going to Milan and Salone and again, experiencing the city at as the same time as the show um, and getting this, this infusion of this Italian um, joie de vivre, this, this gusto that they approach living with. I added this quote in there because I, I love it and this was provided by, by you. What, is, what, is that, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, I think you both touched on this idea a little bit. It, the Italians have this magnificent artistic and architectural history, and they grow up with that surrounding them. And they then have developed incredible ways to specifically contrast that. So they have this great old architecture, and then they're like, how do we infuse new energy, new life, contrast it, you know, and again, it's like the, the lighting is sculpture, you know, things like that. So, so they're, they're really put things together in, in quite dynamic ways that are unexpected and like a little bit like a fun shock to the system. Are, are we getting back to 
and I, I'll, I'll open this up. Are, are we getting back to an era, because it doesn't happen all the time, but this era where surprise and delight comes back to the industry and you, you see it rotate through different industries. You'll see fashion come in one year and just explode with new ideas and new colors and textures and ideas. You'll see it in auto show. Just for some reason, that was the year that all of the manufacturers come out with their concept cars and just blow the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, are we getting back to surprise and delight? I think that they're, like Cabana Magazine, for example, is doing a wonderful job of showing some of the things that you highlighted in terms of the joy of elegant, entertaining outdoors. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there, there was this, you know, mentality of outdoor is always casual, and it's like simple and easy and low maintenance, and it's, and it's like a Chilowich placemat. But no, in fact, you can bring out your beautiful china, and you can bring out beautiful table linens, and you can mix pattern and color, and, and just make it really joyful mm -hmm. and celebratory when you're entertaining outside. Yeah, I agree. I think, and just in general, I think, you know, for a long time, when I write about trends, I feel like for like maybe 10 years, it was like, white kitchens and geometrics and everything was just very kind of samey and there was a lot of like mid-century everything and over the last couple of years I think there has been like this crack open of like going back towards like you know really decorating with like you know you see now like the chin drapes matching the sofa and like the fringe on the bottom and all those elements that we thought for so long were like you know too old and too traditional and like grandmotherly are just coming back in a way and people and, are really embracing them. And now it's grandmother chic, Yeah, right? right? Grand millennial and coastal grandmother and all these trends that... Okay, wait, is that a thing? Yeah. Yes. Coastal grandmother? Coastal grandmother, I'm yeah. Down. I'm down. You need to spend more time on TikTok. <laughs> I can show you a couple of my pictures. Yeah. <laughs> there were three or four booths with this old Italian art stuff that was but, really You know, you, you, mentioned, you, yeah. you mentioned TikTok. One of the things that happily I saw or rather didn't see, there's no tech. There was no tech. And, you know, unfortunately, it, it feels like everything has become so smart, you know, that everything is, is interwoven and interconnected. Was it purposeful that you, you didn't really see that here? I think that the Italians specifically, they are actually very technologically advanced, and yet they are quite... Uh, adept at balancing where it's appropriate and where it's not. So, you know, being able to kind of keep it separate a little bit and, and more in the workplace and, you know, home is for relaxing and entertaining and, you know, home is a place of comfort and, and you know, technology certainly exists and is integrated. You know, you talked about those chairs that light up there, you know, there's outdoor furniture that they have heating elements also that warm up. And so there's, they, but they, but it's integrated in a very kind of subtle, non-invasive way. And, and one of the, the um, you know, you, you show the office and the hidden office mm -hmm. and the Italians, Europeans in general, Italians specifically, you know, they do a lot of this um, integrated furniture. So the bedrooms have the, you know, the bed with the with the night tables and the back, you know, mm -hmm. and, they, and the headboard integrated into it. Closet systems, kitchen systems, everything's a system. Um, and that serves to hide a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I think purposefully, you know, they, you know. Yeah, discreet when, design. When you need it, mm -hmm. it's there, but, but we're not gonna showcase it. Um, and, 
you know, so I saw things where TVs are hidden until you need them, and, and you know, and music systems are hidden until you need them. And I think that's very purposeful in Italian design. If you have to describe Salone to someone who's never been, maybe they're in the industry and, and you're doing it in the context of, of other design events, Cabez, Maison, other other events, how do you where do you rank this? How do you how do you explain this as far as the importance, what you find, how do you, let's let's be honest too, a, a trade show there's a purpose to it, right? You're you're supposed to take have takeaways from this. So the presentations have to be informative. How do you how do you explain this? Well I think it's definitely one of the most important design shows in the world. Um, I think on some levels, you know, it, it is somewhat comparable to ICFF and Maison and Objet. Um, but I think what makes it unique is that it, it definitely feels like, um, you know, a show that's put on that allows manufacturers to present their new products. But it's also just, it's a fully integrated celebration of Italian lifestyle. And so it's like the entire city is part of the show. Um, and there are great outdoor exhibitions that are happening that are just, again, celebrating design and celebrating, you know, the Italian lifestyle perspective. Um, so I think it's like a little bit unique in that sense and a little more maybe dynamic. And I think New York's tried to do that with Design Week. but. Milan does it beautifully. Other, other Italian cities do that with their shows, but this show, you know, if I were to, 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 to juxtapose it against other shows or other trade shows, Fori Salone is just as important as Salone. Fori Salone being all the showrooms, all the outside, all the outside events in Milan. Um, if you're going for the first time, there's a bit of a sticker shock in terms of places to stay and pricing. I'll tell everybody um, that to begin with. Yes. Uh, you know, everything's triple the price that it usually is. Um, and finding a, and, and we were talking about you know food. Um, I always have certain restaurants I want to go to in Milan, um, but you know if you don't have a reservation a year in advance, you're out of luck. Um, you know, so hopefully you know people who can get you in somewhere, uh, or you can you know weasel an invitation to dinner from somebody who made that reservation, um, which is what I did. Uh, <laughs> um, but but uh, it's it's unlike um, in 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 the scope of the events that are. Outside of the show, it's unlike any any show mm -hmm. I've ever been to. And the other thing that's really interesting is, is coming the way I did, where I wasn't in the end, you know, where I wasn't a a customer, a client. A, I, I was in a, in a certain way, but you know, I, I didn't have a company behind me, and I wasn't buying for thirty showrooms. Um, and I sort of fudged it a little with my badge, and you know, kind of <coughs> thought about, okay, I'm going to talk to people like I'm a distributor. You know, I found none of you know people were were genuinely um, accommodating. You know, I explained to them, I mean, I speak the language, that helps, but I, I explained to them I'm, I'm building a house, and actually this is for my purpose, and I'm just looking for one thing, and I'm waiting for, you know, ready for them to throw me out of the booth, and no, that wasn't happening. They were, you know, spent quite a bit of time with me, so that was, you know, a, um, uh, a very, you know, I, I felt fortunate that, that the show you know, accommodated that. Um, a lot of trade shows, they don't want the public, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're very you know, gracious. They're, they're, they were very gracious, and I will say one other thing, I was really, the other thing that spoke to me, you know, that, that it, the other trend I found in this show, and I guess that's been happening in furniture for a long time, but I was 
shocked um, at the scope of it in this show is that everything is customizable. I mean, anything you walked in the door on, oh, we can make it smaller, or we can make it bigger, or we can make it this, or we can customer own fabric, we have all of these fabrics, we can change the wood, you know, for one piece. It wasn't, you know, it, there was a time when you were a client and you said, well, I'd like to add this in black for, you know, the US market, and, you know, okay, we'll make 50 of them or something like that. The, the industry in Italy, certainly the upholstery industry, as well as the, you know, the, you know, I was looking for sideboards, things like that. It is so flexible now, production, um, that, you know, you can kind of reimagine anything to fit, to fit a space. Caitlin, from an editorial perspective, and knowing that add to edit, page count, word count, how do you take something, the, the magic is in the edit, mm. right? The art really is in the edit. Mm -hmm. How do you take something as grand and as spectacular as Salone and make it something that you can present? What's the, what's the process? Well, I think it's just done over a course of like the year, you know, like we look and, and a lot of these trends are things that we've seen or they're evolutions of things that we've seen in the industry for the past couple years, or the past few seasons, and we just tend to highlight them, you know, throughout the issues. I mean, we have themed issues too, so like certain things will go here, and we like to present things that are kind of like a mix. So we'll present like, you know, a couple of the trends that maybe contrast or are a little bit different, so they feel like you get like a whole, a little snapshot of different trends in each issue. I mean, it really, there, there's a whole process that goes into it with just like the houses that we choose and then you know what you put in like the product pages and your market sections and it all kind of just has to sing together. So it's very um, it's very like very hands-on for each issue. And it's and it's a drip feed. It's it's not a it's not a we've gotten so used no. to this whole content dump where you come back and you just dump everything at once and leave yeah. it to people to try to decipher it. It's a it's a drip. Yeah, so we we did a couple like trend pieces on just overall like um, just like the kitchen stuff. So we did a kitchen piece and highlighted the, the most important kitchen trends that we saw. That's really it in terms of just trend roundups and the rest of it we kind of are just saying like, okay, this is where it's going. And it kind of just informs our decisions that we make for what happens in the magazine for the rest of the year. It's not like we come back and say like, you know, we need to put all these things in. It's if it makes sense and if we think that, you know, it's what people want to see, we'll highlight a specific trend. I love that. So, does anyone have any questions? Anything that you want to know about from Solani? Maybe you couldn't go, maybe you did go and missed something. Anything? You're thinking hard, I can tell. <laughs> I'm not going to force it. I have a bit of a practical question. Yeah. We saw from, from all three of our panelists some really beautiful ceramic displays, the, the dining, indoor, outdoor. How do you suggest? Maybe we don't use them every day. Are we seeing people use them every day? I bought a house in Italy, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there is more, like, formal dining, too, was kind of going away for a while, and I think people are starting to bring back the formal dining spaces with the, you know, 
you have like your little china cabinet or like a curio cabinet or something and I think those things are kind of having a resurgence also whereas before it was more like open concept living and you have you know everything happening in one space which doesn't give you as much place to like I think store things because you have fewer walls to put things on and there's kind of a, a turn back towards rooms and more formal dining and I think you can definitely do that yeah I love it. I have a china cabinet. Well, and some of these pieces that, again, look so interior, I mean, there is the practical thing of saying, okay, is this so good looking that I could actually live with it throughout the year in my living room and take it out in the summer and use it outside? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so with that, John. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of collaboration with fashion designers. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see anything with the contemporary? Art market, you know, like I don't know, Damien Hurst, Gaussian, anybody like that collaborating with furniture manufacturers, uh, you know, because the contemporary art market is, you know, crazy. Right? Yeah. I saw some with the object. Uh, you know, there were some objects and there were some, um, uh, and, you know, there were some in terms of pottery and, 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 um, and mirrors and some other things where there were some artists. Represented in artist designs. I didn't see, I don't think I saw anything in terms of fabric or um, um, or furniture with, with artists. Mm -hmm. But did you find it all, you know, since the city is such a part of the whole fair, like going to the art galleries, was there, did it flow? Did they participate in any of this? Was it part of the. You know, interestingly, uh, Prada Fondazione is in Milan, and, you know, that's an incredible um, exhibition space. Um, but I did not go during this trip. I, I visited on a different trip. So there, there wasn't a direct connection there. And I think that's a good you know, insight that that's something they maybe could improve, like a, more of a direct link to some of the art galleries and foundations. I love it. Thank you. Um, so any others? If not, yes, sir. Yeah, no, great question. <laughs> it's no, never enough. Three days is not enough. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, my, my best advice um, would be to give yourself as much time to appreciate Milan um, and to experience the city and the culture um, and, you know, dive into the track of Salone and dive out of it, you know, so step out and go to a museum go to some art galleries, you know, take advantage of some of the other, you know, great historical architectural aspects of the city, do a tour of the Duomo and go up on the roof and see the city from that perspective, it's incredible. Um, and, you know, depending on your agenda, what you're there for, if you're there for a specific buy or, you know, things like that, you know, you definitely need to dedicate, I would say, at least two solid days to the show itself because the show is, feels like multiple football fields. <laughs> it's really huge. Uh, I think really none of these pictures can even capture how, how huge the spaces are and how many vendors there are they're exhibiting. And that's just the show itself, not even what's going on around. So um, and this was a year give without, yourself a week. <laughs> without Chinese companies, if you can imagine that. So it was so huge. And then I was just 
struck by, you know, forget there were no Chinese vendors there. Yeah. There were, I thought, few Americans this year because of the timing right before Neocon and after ICF. It is an enormous show. The crowds are big. I would say, you know, I took two days at the show itself. Um, I, I had, you know, and I had done my homework before going because I had, you know, specific objectives, so specific people I wanted to see. But you get pulled in every direction as you do at every trade show. And, um, you know, I tried to at least hit, you know, every pavilion, at least for a couple of seconds, you know, just to quickly look around and see if there was anything I wanted to see. But it is enormous. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I will say something. I, I've been going to Italy for many years, um, lived there for a while, and, um, I used to hate Milan, you know, I, it was my last, not hate it, but it was, you know, it was the, the least, to me, sort of the least, you know, interesting city in Italy. Um, it, if you're in the fashion business, obviously not, but, you know, it used to be that way. Milan has turned around, you know, 180%, like, you know, I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago. Um, you know, now it's, it's vibrant, there's this whole new culture, there's a whole lot to see in architecture, there's so much to see in design and, and, and in art you know, and an art, so it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's worth getting there a little early, a little <coughs> late, because it's really expensive. You know, during the show, it's just hard to enjoy Milan because there's so many people. Yeah. That's the only downside of it. You know, you miss a lot because you just can't get in anywhere. Um, but, uh, but, you know, hey, there are worse places to go for a trade <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, thank you, great question. So with that, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for coming. I, I'd like to thank our panelists, Caitlin, Michael, John, thank you. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. You are listening to my conversation from Hastings Tile and Bath about Salone del Mobile, and we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 